You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. In that thousand-year reign, Christ will be a dictator. There's no petitioning in terms of changing the laws. There's no changing how he rules. He is king of kings and lord of lords, and he's going to rule and reign universally. But with that said, I asked last night, uh, what kind of a dictator will he be? And a lady on the front has been looking at my notes, and she said, benevolent. I said, you've been looking at my notes. When you hear the word dictator, you'll likely shudder, and the first names that come to mind might be Hitler or Kim Jong-un. These men represent the opposite of benevolence. They were and are selfish men whose selfish desires drive their cruelty. As Pastor Danny explains in today's message, when Jesus rules, as Revelation tells us that he will, he'll be a generous, compassionate, and kind dictator as only he can. He's perfect, and mankind will gladly submit to his sovereignty. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Revelation chapter 19 as he continues his message, The Thousand Year Reign of Christ. Verse 17, and John says, I saw an angel standing in the sun who cried in a loud voice to all the birds flying in midair, come, gather together for the great supper of God so that you may eat the flesh of kings, generals, and mighty men of horses and their riders and the flesh of all people, free and slave, small and great. Then I saw the beast, that's Antichrist, and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against the rider on the horse and his army. Pause there for just a minute. I mentioned Psalm 2. I just feel led to go back there just for a moment. Because how foolish it is, and yet it's going to happen, that an army is going to come against the rider on the horse and the other riders who are with him. That's you and me. Psalm 2 talks about this. Verse 1, why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? In other words, it's a losing cause. The kings of the earth take their stand again. The rulers gather together against the Lord, Jehovah, and against his anointed one, Christ. Let us break their chains, they say, and throw off their fetters. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he rebukes them in his anger, terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I've installed my king on Zion, my holy hill, Jerusalem, and I'll proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you're my son. Today I've become your father. Ask of me and I'll make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth, your possession. You'll rule them with an iron scepter. You'll dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Don't be stupid. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear. Rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry. 
and you be destroyed in your way, for his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Now back to Revelation. Here's what's happening. You have the Antichrist, the kings allied with him, and armies gathered together to make war against the rider on the horse and his army. Verse 20, but the beast was captured. With him, the false prophet who had performed the miraculous signs on his behalf. With these signs, he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The rest of them were killed with the sword that came out of the mouth of the rider on the horse. And all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. This is a war. It's a just war. It's a war of good versus evil. And whether you watch the whole series, The Fellowship of the Ring and all those, or uh, any of those kind of movies, you know, the Marvel things, you know, and the, uh, all of it is good versus evil. And guess what the Bible promises, predicts, guarantees? Good wins in the end. Foolish. They come against the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, but they will, and they do. Fascinating stuff. The war ends suddenly, and look what happens next. Chapter 20. And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss. The abyss is a real place. It's somewhere down below. Jesus, when he delivered the demoniac that had legion of demons... And the demons beg Jesus repeatedly, don't send us into the abyss. And so Jesus lets them go into the herd of pigs. Herd of pigs go over the steep cliff, drown in the Sea of Galilee. Why don't they want to go into the abyss? Jude tells us that the abyss, a real place, there are actually fallen angels bound there. And they can't roam the earth along with their master, Satan, seeking someone to devour. And they can't possess flesh, which they love to do. A real place. Jude infers that some of the most powerful fallen angels are there bound right now. And so in a future day, the second coming of Christ, angel comes down out of heaven, has the key to the abyss, holding in his hand also a great chain. He sees the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss. He locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. It's called the thousand-year reign of Christ. Some people in the church are saying, there is no thousand-year reign of Christ. Don't listen to those people. They don't know what they're talking about. It's absolutely unbiblical to suggest there's not a literal thousand years of reign when Jesus returns and you and I will rule and reign with him. He's coming back. Satan is going to be bound all these thousand years that are yet future. Verse four, I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. Jesus said to the 12 that at the renewal of all things, Matthew 19, they would sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony for Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not 
worshiped the beast or his image, had not received his mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Now, here's where it gets real interesting. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is important stuff here. Listen up. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who have part in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them. The second death is coming up in the next chapter. The lake of fire. Worse than the first death. Worse than hell. Second death. Blessed and holy are those who have part in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them. But they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. That scripture is very clear. All believers will take part in the first resurrection. And the second resurrection, second death. So all believers ruling and reigning with Christ on the earth for a thousand years. We will be Jesus's government agents throughout the globe. I have my application in for the Caribbean. (laughs) We'll be in our new bodies. So you don't have to worry about death. You don't have to fear. You can look at someone as a government agent uh, for Jesus. And and if they threaten you, you can say, go ahead, make my day. (laughs) I mean, this is real stuff. This is not sci-fi. It's real. It's really going to happen. Jesus is coming. He's going to set up his kingdom. Uh, He's going to rule and reign for a thousand years. And if you know Jesus is Lord and Savior, you're going to be serving with him in some capacity throughout the planet. This is cool stuff. Now, my wife is very astute, biblically. I think I already mentioned that. (laughs) But we were talking about this a while back. and, And the question of, okay, if we're ruling and reigning with Christ for a thousand years... Who are we ruling and reigning over? Who's here other than us? And she believed that only believers go into the thousand-year reign. And as astute as she is on this one, she's just dead wrong. (laughs) Keep your marker there. Go back with me to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7, many of the prophecies in the book of Daniel are sister prophecies to the book of the Revelation. Same meaning, same interpretation, okay? Daniel sees four beasts. They are kingdoms. Some have fallen in terms of historically, the ones mentioned here, and yet they're still on the planet and people populate them. But the ones referred to in this specific time that Daniel talks about are past tense. A future beast, a revived Roman Empire, which the Antichrist will rule over, is the fourth beast. Trust me on that as you look at Daniel chapter 7 and verse 11. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. The horn is the Antichrist. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. That's what we just read in Revelation. The other beast had been stripped of their authority because Jesus is here. King of kings, Lord of lords. He's setting up his kingdom. But they were allowed to live for a period of time. 
the other nations allied with the Antichrist that we're reading about in Revelation at the end of the Great Tribulation in the second coming of Christ, that's where Daniel is right here in Daniel chapter 7. They were allowed to live for a period of time. Verse 13, in my vision at night, I looked and there before me was one like a son of man, Messiah, coming with the clouds of heaven. That's the second coming. So it's clear from this passage in Daniel chapter 7 that there will be survivors from the great tribulation. They are not believers. They are not Christians. And we will be Jesus's government agents and we will rule and reign with him on the planet for a thousand years. It's absolutely going to happen. What's it going to be like? That's a great question. Let me give you a few characteristics. Israel will enjoy all the promises God has made to her that have yet to be fulfilled. Zechariah chapter 8 verse 23. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In those days, 10 men from all languages and nations will take firm hold of one Jew by the hem of his robe and say, let us go with you because we heard God is with you. Israel will be the most blessed nation on the planet. Isaiah 51 Referring to Israel, he'll make her deserts like Eden, paradise. Her wastelands like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her. Thanksgiving and the sound of singing. You go to visit Israel in this coming day in the thousand years, it's the most joyous place on the planet. Why? Because Jesus rules and reigns from Jerusalem. He's there physically. Second characteristic, righteousness will reign universally. Isaiah 2, verse 3, the law will go out from Zion in Jerusalem. The word of the Lord from Jerusalem says the same thing in Micah 4, 2. Says the same thing in Isaiah 51, 4. The law is going to go out. It's his law. And it's not just for one nation, for all nations. And it's righteousness. You don't have to worry about voting someone in to make the righteous laws. He's going to, every law he makes is righteous. Now, because of that, here's the third characteristic. (laughs) Here's the third one. Nobody's going to get away with anything. Nobody. Isaiah 11, verse 3. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he'll judge the needy. With justice, he'll give decisions for the poor of the earth. He'll strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he'll slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness, the sash around his waist. Nobody's going to get away with anything. Righteous laws, and if you don't follow them, you won't get away with it. Another characteristic, there's not going to be any more war. No more war. Isaiah 2.4, he'll judge between the nations, will settle disputes for many peoples. They'll beat their swords into plowshares. And their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Hard to fathom. If you've ever lived in a country where there's war, you can really appreciate this truth. No more war. I love the next characteristic. You find in Isaiah chapter 11. Oh, man, I get, I get giddy. I, I feel like a little kid when I read this one. Isaiah chapter 11. Every time I go to Bush Gardens, I think about this one. Every time. Verse 6. Isaiah chapter 11. The the wolf will live with the lamb. 
I'd call that a change in the animal kingdom. Because you try that now and that lamb is lamb chop. The leopard will lie down with the goat. Won't work today. That goat's history. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And this is what I love. And a little child will lead them. Instead of the big glass as you go there to Bush Gardens and you try to get to the lions. And if on your day you get lucky and the lion comes right up there and you get that snapshot, you know, with the lion right next to the glass. In this coming day, there's no glass. And your little Johnny, little Johnny, come on. Come on, let's go play. I can just see him jumping on the lion's back and holding on to the mane. And saying, just, you're just going to be amazing. Bush Gardens without walls. <laughs> the infant. Well, wait a minute. Verse 7, Isaiah 11. The cow will feed with the bear. The young will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. They don't eat people anymore. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra and the young child put his hand into the viper's nest and you don't hear mom going, what are you doing? Get your hand out of there. You're not worried. They will neither harm nor destroy in all my holy mountain for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Let me give you one more. Um, People are going to live longer. Isaiah chapter 65 verse 20. Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not live out his years. He who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere youth. He who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. People will be going, what in the world did he do? What law did he disobey? That he died so young. Well, how old was he? He was 120. (laughs) So young. Way too young. This is going to be fascinating. Let me give you one more. One more. In that thousand year reign, Christ will be a dictator. There's no petitioning in terms of changing the laws. There's no changing how he rules. He is king of kings and lord of lords, and he's going to rule and reign universally. But with that said, I asked last night, uh, what kind of a dictator will he be? And a lady on the front has been looking at my notes, and she said, benevolent. I said, you've been looking at my notes. (laughs) Benevolent, kind, caring, compassionate, generous. Isaiah 9, 7, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. What the world's going to see is the most benevolent dictator, the King of kings and Lord of lords, and the world is going to go from absolute, chaotic, messed up, great tribulation kind of stuff And as soon as Jesus shows up, he begins to clean things up and he begins to set things in order and the righteous laws go out universally and the peace worldwide. And as you think about that, you wonder how in the world does this happen? Revelation chapter 20, verse 7. When the thousand years are over and Satan has not been able to deceive anybody for a thousand years. When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Really? Who are they coming against? In number, they are like the sand on the seashore. 
They march across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves, Jerusalem. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. Over. Done. (laughs) And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They'll be tormented day and night. Forever and ever. I have a final question. Why a thousand year reign? What's the purpose? I mean, why didn't Jesus just come back and make all things new and send everybody to eternal damnation that didn't receive his offer of salvation and we just go and live with him forever? Why didn't that just happen? Why a thousand year reign? I have an opinion. I think one of the main reasons for the thousand year reign of Christ is for a thousand years, there'll be record of humanity living on the planet, witnessing physically with their own eyes, receiving personally all the benefits of Jesus' rule and reign as his law goes out universally and things get go from absolutely terrible from the end of the Great Tribulation to better and he starts to clean things up and it's, it's the best thing the world's ever seen happen to the world. And after the thousand years, as soon as Satan is let out of his prison, He so easily deceives a vast multitude of those on the earth because they're going to be marrying, giving in marriage. The world's going to populate very quickly over a thousand years. There's going to be a lot of people here. A lot of people. And still at the end of the thousand year year reign, broad is the road that leads to destruction. And few there are that find the way to life. Because narrow is the way. Not because God doesn't want everybody in. Man, the thousand year reign is going to show the absolute depravity of the human heart in witnessing all that God is going to do through his one and only son, Jesus Christ. And yet at the end of those days, man's heart, even though they may submit because they have to, because they can't get away with anything in that coming day, hearts are not bowed to him. Their lives are not really submitted to him. They're doing it because they have to. Not because of their love for him. And his grace and his mercy. Well, as we end this, it's no different now. The only difference now is you can, if you choose to, blame the devil. But for a thousand years, nobody's going to be able to blame the devil. Nobody's going to be able to say, the devil made me do it. He's He's not here for a thousand years. And yet, men's hearts still are not submitted, still are not bowed to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. If you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, let me remind you of something. You're on the losing side. You're going down. And you don't have to. So why don't you repent? It means to turn. Why don't you turn? Why don't you, why don't you say no to yourself and no to the way you want to go and say yes to Jesus? It's a great deal. It's the best deal you ever made in your life. Why don't you say no 
And why don't you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior right now, right now, right here. No guarantee of tomorrow. That's why today's the day of salvation. Now's the time. We're so glad you tuned in today for Pastor Danny's message in the book of Revelation. If you missed any part of today's teaching or would like to explore more of the messages from this series, visit ccfstpete.church and click on Sermons. You'll be directed to our YouTube page, and we'd love for you to subscribe. When you do, you'll be notified by email every time we post a new message. If you have any questions for us about what you heard today or would like us to pray for you, please email us. Our address is info at ccf stpete.church We're so privileged to be able to pray for you. You can connect with us on social media as well. Find The Living Word on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and jump into the conversations there. Find links to all of these at our website ccfstpete.church And if you happen to be in the St. Petersburg area, we want to meet you. Every message you hear on The Living Word comes from a teaching Pastor Danny has shared at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. And you're invited to join us for our weekly services. Our church is filled with imperfect people being made holy by our perfect Creator. And we know that you'll fit right in. Join us on Saturday at 6 p.m. or Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Find directions at our website. Again, that's ccfstpete.church. With that, our time with you has officially come to an end. There's much more to learn from the pages of Revelation, so we hope you'll tune in again right here on The Living Word.